Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We have with us today Monica Bishop. Monica is an Enneagram Type 8. She is a certified yoga teacher. She is also a marketing guru and expert who can help you, and you might want to check out her website, monacanmarketing.com. But in this episode, Kat, Monica, and myself have a lot of fun. We laugh and we talk about types six and seven and how they can be more emotionally regulated. But let's dive right into the six. And thanks again for joining us. Six, they are our loyalist on the Enneagram. And when they're not in a great place, they can be very mistrusting, competitive, they can get a little arrogant and reactive. Um, They also can be self-sacrificing. They also can get into like, what are the needs of the group? And um, and even give a lot of power to whoever the leader of the group is when they're not in a really great space. So that's what might be happening for them when they feel a little bit dysregulated. And they also can get into catastrophizing and a real space Mm -hmm. of fear. Mm -hmm. And so you were talking about safety earlier. And I think finding that sense of safety in themselves, like, you know, it might be a special beach that they feel safe at. It might be a space in their home. But they've kind of got to go inside Mm -hmm. themselves and find a place where they feel really safe. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be really helpful for them when they're feeling dysregulated Um, I also think that trying to move towards courage in some way, that is their needed virtue as the six. And so doing something that like feels courageous to them, like whether that's um, flying on an airplane or something else, that's hard. But I think that the more that the six is courageous, they're going to do less catastrophizing and they're not going to be stuck in that place of mistrust Mm -hmm. and fear. I think receiving compliments, even little things like that can be healthy for a six because I think that's taking them to that healthier place where they're not in this sort of mistrust mode. Um, what comes up for you, Kat? You know, I think for a six to get emotionally regulated, they have got to find a sense of safety and, and calm inside of their own head. Mm-hmm. So for me, guided meditations, mm-hmm. and there's tons out there that are truly walking you step by step. You know, in yoga we say, just in life we say we're all walking each other home mm-hmm. but for a six that would be something to walk themselves home mm-hmm. and in in being capable to do that I think would give them even more sec- sense of security mm-hmm. to be able to you know I brought myself back to the the complex place the place where I'm not scared the place that I'm not anxious etc and um, I also think for for six, um, it would be breath work. And again, mm-hmm. it's for all of us, but we, you know, we, we, we tend to uh, forget and we talk so much about breath, but breath is not just your involuntary function of your body. It is also a tool for self-regulation specifically. And you can do breath that can get you more anxious and more energized and more whatever, but when we talk about breath, we mainly talk about calming the senses mm-hmm. and easing the anxiety and easing the fluctuations of the mind. And I think for a six, they are 
the ones who struggle the, mo- the most with those ripples, so mm-hmm. smoothing those ripples out inside of their head, it's the breath. And what I love uh, about the breath, it does work. And for six, I would recommend the inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the nose type breath, and having the exhale to be longer than the inhale. That's what taps into your parasympathetic nervous system. That is your rest and digest. That is your calming of your senses. So if you have maybe a count inside of your head where you inhale on four, exhale on five or six, and just slowly do that, set yourself a timer for a minute. And just do that type of breathing, and that might be a small step to get them into more calm and safe feeling internally space. I love that because I feel like different types do need different types of breath. Just like you said, like the breath of fire, a very activating breath. Not for a six. No, but it'd be great for a five, a four, or a nine. Maybe we'll do like an episode one time on, you know, what types of breath would be good for each type. But yeah, I think that that's right. Like the longer breath on your exhale for that parasympathetic nervous system. And also restorative yoga practice. I mean, we y'all know, you know, there's so many different yoga practices, but the restorative practice is all about, you know, the trauma-informed yoga practice where, you know, you find a professional who is trained in that specifically where they can help you feel safer, more relaxed, more, you know, at peace, calmer, and, and have that as a practice yeah. because it's not one and done and just have that a part of your weekly, monthly, whatever. But I think for a six specifically, I restorative. Yeah. And yeah. what comes to mind for me is, you know, we're talking about what to do when we're emotionally dysregulated, but what can we do proactively every Amen. day Amen. to regulate our emotions. So yeah. for a six, the breath work, like one thing that I love to do, and I forget to do it as much as I, as I remember, is before I sit down at my desk or before I stand up or when I change tasks, mm-hmm. I purposefully take a couple of breaths. So what kind of practice could each person come up with that this thing triggers me to remember that when a door slams, you know, I know they mm-hmm. use that sometimes, John Kabat-Zinn uses that, when a door slams, that's my practice to come back to mindfulness. What if you had certain moments throughout your day, your week, that this is what I do for me and that breath practice being part of it instead of how do I come back from being dysregulated? How do I stay yeah. regulated? Yeah, I love that. For, for whatever reason, a memory is coming up. I was a chaplain in my first career, and one of my chaplain supervisors said, before you enter a room, make sure that you breathe, you know, for a while, because you're about to walk into a room with a lot of people who are dysregulated. They're experiencing, you know, the hardest time in their life. And so it's more about, like, me being centered so I could walk in and care for these people who were in great, great pain. And I think so whether you are dysregulated and needing to like calm yourself and get back to a place of regulation or do these practices so that you won't get dysregulated or care for people who are dysregulated, no matter what, the breath is gonna help, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we're taking it home. Taking it home. Taking it home. Seven, we're saving the best for last. Um, If you have listened to our podcast, you know I'm a big fan of type seven. So here's what I think um, 
emotional dysregulation looks like for a seven. Um, emotionally withdrawing, glazing over whatever bumps that are on the road, sweeping things under the rug, um, and then maybe being unfocused, sometimes overly boastful or arrogant. Mm -hmm. um, so for a seven, I think the medicine for emotional regulation is being by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it like for me, it would be so painful to do. Like that would be the last thing I would want to emotionally regulate. But I think for a seven, going into the five space, the healthy five space, mm -hmm. and not only, you know, going in a room by yourself, but going in the woods by yourself, go on the river by yourself, you know, walk up the mountain by yourself. So somewhere where there's a, you know, sit in your front yard on the green grass by yourself. But finding solitude, I think that, frankly, is all seven needs yeah. to, like, get back in, in, in emotional regulate because that in itself does the magic. You know, we say in yoga, you don't have to believe in yoga. It just works. You just got to do it, and it just does its thing. You don't have to believe it. For a seven, just to be alone would do the mm -hmm. trick. You don't have to do anything else. Yeah. Just, just find solitude, and I think that brings them back to that balance space. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that seven fear the most is pain and suffering, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think being alone is their medicine, but I also think finding safe people mm -hmm. that can be a vault for them that they can share their feelings yeah. with and their pain, which is really hard for seven to do. I think another way that dysregulation shows up for them is they become frenetic and it's like what's next what's next mm -hmm. they also have the FOMO mm -hmm. the fear of missing out mm -hmm. and they're just like going from one fun thing to mm -hmm. the next and they become yeah. scattered and they're all over the place and that can be like the way that emotional dysregulation shows up is very different for mm -hmm. all of us but for me like a seven is just flying from one place to the next and it's just like too much yeah. and they're and they're what they're running from is pain yeah and what they're doing is gluttony it's just yeah. like one sort of gluttonous activity after another yeah. and so like you said solitude um, I also think like two feet to the earth mm -hmm. and and maybe even outside like the earthing practice mm -hmm. of just putting your feet without grounded. shoes mm -hmm. yeah getting grounded because that will keep them from thinking they have to do one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, like you said, I love, love the sevens. The reason Kat loves the sevens is because mm -hmm. as a one, she becomes more playful, she mm -hmm. becomes her healthier self, but you're also married mm -hmm. to like this fabulous seven. And the sevens do teach us how to have fun. Yeah. But when they're in that constant fun space, it does become pretty dangerous for them mm -hmm. so they have to learn how to get grounded how to yeah. find solitude and then yeah. also um how to share their feelings yeah yeah how to share their feelings that's mm -hmm. a hard one and for that you have to and go back to safety you have to have your safe people you know who would not maybe not to even want to overdo the whole sharing to you know, just knowing that the fact that seven is sharing something painful, let that be enough, however much they want to do it, uh, because that's a huge step for them. For mm -hmm. a four, you'd be like, oh, drop in the bucket. For a seven, it's like Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. You know, so, so 
having the people who understand what that means to them to share but you're absolutely right you know my constant conversation with with my husband is you know we have to talk about it we have to talk about it you mm -hmm. can't you we you know yes it's uncomfortable it's painful whatever but we have we can't just I'm not looking at it, it doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. and then just realizing that if he does talk about it, how big of a deal it is, but mm -hmm. it's also cathartic for them because, yeah. you know, you have to unburden. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that, how big of a deal it is for yeah. them to like, yeah, to it's tell. huge. What do you, what do you, what do you think he needs to hear when, when he does reveal something painful? I think for, for, for us, he needs for me to be, almost seven like about it be lighter about it uh -huh, uh -huh. you know not to beat it to death like a four you yeah know, I have my oldest which I'm pretty certain is a four we can probably talk for an hour about that pain for a seven let's verbalize it let's acknowledge it and let that be enough yeah mm -hmm. I like that okay you know yeah so be 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 lighter mm -hmm. be, be be happier I guess about it and then and then move on mm-hmm be sensitive yeah. to the fact yes. that that was really yes. big for them yes. to just share like that. when you talk to a four be sensitive to them being sensitive yeah being yeah. sensitive to a seven the fact that they don't function in pain yeah and when they dip into it don't hold them underwater for yeah. five minutes let them resurface back yeah because that was a scary place yes. for them to go and it feels like what we talked about earlier about naming our feelings and not making them good yes. or bad yes. is as a seven or supporting a seven, if we don't try to say, oh, I'm sorry you're in pain, this is bad. If it's just is what it is yeah. and to start embracing both the positive and the negative and take away the underlying feeling behind yeah. it, it seems like that would be yeah. a powerful practice to move you, move you closer to not getting so tied up into yeah what's good and what's bad, what's positive and what's negative. Mm -hmm. Wise bird words. I Wise love that. Well, Monica, we want to have you have this opportunity now to tell our listeners anything you want to, like how they can get in touch with you, what you can do for them, what you can do for their business. Like, just brag on yourself. Brag on Monica moment. <laughs> and we will put all of that information on our website. It will be part of the episode. So you know, our listeners would be able to pull up the episode, go on our website and have all of your links, whatever you want us to share, all that information will be embedded. So listeners, you don't have to run to like pen and paper. We'll, we'll type that all up for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been really powerful to be able to share the story and to also just remind everyone that we are the sum of all of our pieces. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in pain or you're unhappy at work or you're happy at work or your relationship or whatever it is that you have the power to change it and it's just a matter of how can you, how can you put together all the pieces of yourself through yoga, through Enneagram, through whatever practices you like to create a life that's freaking awesome. Yeah. And that's been the huge hugest, I don't know if that's a word, the hugest shift for Humongous me. Huge, big. <laughs> the biggest shift for me is, you know, when I was going through this, I thought I want to be a health coach because I want to help people with their pain. And I realized I kept trying to help them with their marketing. And so the way I was able to shift my business, which is Monacan Marketing, um, is 
I now support primarily health, wellness, and life coaches to attract their own clients. So instead of me mm -hmm. being the health and wellness professional, I get to support them because marketing is my zone of genius. So mm -hmm. I can both be in this health, and I do teach yoga sometimes, and I'm a, a, obviously a big practitioner, but I can use all of this modalities and all of this stuff about me to use my zone of genius, which is marketing and sales and tech and campaigns and all that stuff that a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to do that. And I, I can then help that health, wellness, and community to get y'all more help by helping the practitioners. Mm -hmm. So I primarily help those who serve. I do a lot of online work. So mm -hmm. um, if you are a practitioner of some sort or a service provider and you're wanting to take your business online, you're wanting to um, have courses and have your offerings online and you're wanting to learn how to navigate this new online thing, um, that's really what I help with. And I don't mean just building a website, although I do build websites. It's really learning how to connect to other people, there's a bunch of them, uh -huh. online in a way that feels good, that doesn't yeah. feel pushy, that feels like us sitting here having this conversation, mm -hmm. but we're doing it in a much bigger space so that we can create the impact on the world um, and the income that we really desire. So. Um, I, I do coaching, consulting, I do marketing services. I have a lot of different ways that I help. Um, right now I'm rolling out, it's called the Client Attraction Marketing Map, and it's a nine month business and marketing accelerator program where I not only show my clients how the marketing works and what they need to do and how this attraction style works so they don't feel pushy, but we also build all the stuff the landing pages and the email marketing and all the stuff that everybody besides me puts off and sometimes I do too yeah and so we actually build all of that together and like you said like as an eight I'm very strong and push forward but I'm also very grounded and able to not shame and to be able to help based on all these different modalities so it's really it's really freaking awesome, right? Awesome. Um, so my website's monacanmarketing.com. You can find me Monica Bishop. I am so easy to find. You could probably send a smoke signal, which there's a lot of right now, and, uh, and find me because I do serve worldwide. I've got clients in Australia and Canada and, and all over the place. Wow, I love awesome. that. So it's, it's really, really fun. So I'm so thankful to have you guys um, have me on and, and tell my story to maybe help others find their path. And we do have listeners in Canada. I was looking at who our listeners are recently, and we have some Canadian listeners. So oh. we've got listeners all over the world. So wherever you are, you can find Monica. One of the things that I just loved that you said, and I won't be able to say it verbatim, but you were talking about how I am strong, but I'm also grounded and able to help people. And I love that because that's your eight, the strength, but the groundedness of the five, which is one of your arrows, and in Jerry Wagner's book, The Enneagram Spectrum, he talks a lot about how you can go to the high or low side of each of your arrows. So there's that high side of the five being grounded. And then there's that helpfulness and support of the two that you named. And so like that is the sign of a healthy person when they're like living the high side of both of their arrows. And so we just like affirm you and we want people to seek you out and thank you for being here. Thank you for being Thanks, here. Guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kat and We love talking to you. You're funny, warm, delightful, so intelligent, so wise. 
Let's get that neck feeling better Yay. and just be in 110%. Thank, Thank you. you, Monica. For our meditation today, I wanted to share two quotes from some amazing thinkers who've gone before us. They're no longer alive, but Thomas Merton, who was a Catholic monk, and the poet Rumi who was a Sufi mystic. Rumi said, if you are irritated by every rub, how will you ever be polished? Merton said, the beginning of love is the will to accept those we love to be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them, we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. So this invitation that the beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves. That is Enneagram work. Enneagram work is also, if you are irritated by every rub, how will you ever be polished? It's letting go of the rubs of the very different personalities in the world who we encounter. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to think of an Enneagram type that is hard for you to love. Who is that? It might be a colleague. It might be a partner. It might be a child, a friend, or someone else in your life. But think about them. Think about what their Enneagram number is or might be. And consider why it is hard to let them be perfectly themselves. And also take a moment to ask yourself, are the irritations worth it? Because when we spend that time focusing on somebody else, we end up not looking at ourselves and our own internal work that needs to be done. And in turn, we're not able to be polished. And also as Merton said, Sometimes we want people to be a reflection of us, to be made in our image. But we've got to allow them to be who they are. And this is the Enneagram work that we're all invited to. Namaste, friends. Namaste.